Hello, thank you for joining us. This is the Friendly Reminder Podcast. It's your weekly friendly reminder of what's going on around the world, in our lives, and everything in between. My name is Gus, and once again, I'll be your host for the evening. Uh, It is September the 3rd. Can you guys believe it? It's September already. And I'm being joined with, as always, my two dearest friends. Uh, Sam, how are you today? Woo! You got to me first in your face, Daniel. I'm doing good. Good to hear. Good to hear. And uh, last but not least, uh, Daniel, how are you today? I'm good. I'm glad you got to me second because I wanted to cut in here and talk about how I don't like the name Friendly Reminder. <laughs> I think we should change it. <laughs> I'm just well, kidding. <laughs> we're 10 episodes deep, so uh, you should have you had it's your too chance. too late. Yeah. We have our brand now. I mean, we had like two, um, uh, two workshops there that you may have missed, a couple of meetings. Uh, it's a little... To be fair, every name that I submitted had cuss words in it. Look, yeah, we're not going to do the fuck cast, okay? I know you love the fuck cast. This is not the fuck cast. It's friendly reminder. You can start the fuck cast, but I'll be a guest. Friendly uh, reminder, Colin, the fuck cast. <laughs> friendly the reminder. The fuck cast will be our special episode. The fuck cast will be election night. That'll election be after. Uh, the friendly reminder will turn into fu- the fuck cast after the election. If he wins. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if Joe Biden wins, we'll just stop doing the show, probably. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're gonna talk. It's gonna be like the Ways and Means Committee show, where we just talk about whatever <laughs> bill was passed through that committee. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, I hope that's our future. So we are gonna get started uh, today, guys. Uh, but before we go on to our main topic, we uh, very much want to mention that uh, you know shortly after we finished recording last Friday almost moments after we finished recording um, we were uh, informed of the very tragic and very sad passing of uh, Chadwick Boseman he's a prolific actor that has played uh, various roles including playing several black history icons such as uh, Jackie Robinson in 42 and Thurgood Marshall in uh, Marshall uh, but inarguably, his most famous role is playing King T'Challa and the Black Panther in Black Panther, as well as uh, all the other uh, Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe movies he was in. It was a shocking loss. Um, he kept um, this illness, colon cancer, uh, hidden uh, from the public. He he was dealing with it for four years uh, before he sadly succumbed to to the illness and it took us all of us by surprise Uh, he was 42 you know talking about celebrity deaths can be a little bit difficult sometimes because it's obviously an individual that we never met we never got to personally know but we enjoyed his work we took in his uh, his cinematic uh, career uh, and you know, for, for a lot of people, especially young African-American kids, this was their first time seeing a superhero uh, in the big screen that, that looked like them. And, and that's, that's important, and that means a lot. And it's, it's a tough loss, and it's, we're still kind of processing it to this day. But I did want to take some time to mention it, and I, I kind of wanted to ask you guys, like, what, what, how did you feel after finding out about the news? Uh, Daniel, we'll start with you. It hit me pretty hard uh, for a lot of the reasons you talk about. And it just seemed like on top of everything going on in 2020, this this 
extremely talented uh, actor who uh, you really, I mean, you, you got the sense every time you saw him in a movie, you, you saw not only the roles that he did, but, but you thought about the, you know, how, how much potential he had <laughs> and how, and you know, what the future was going to be like for him. But, um, you know, his, his catalog is, is small, but, uh, remarkably a lot of hits, um, Black Panther, um, is probably my favorite solo Marvel movie, I think. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, his character, I love his character in the other movies too. So it, you know, it's, it's difficult and it is, a you know, the, this year in particular with the shocking number of deaths of African Americans from COVID-19 and the Black Lives Matter movement, it's, it seems almost, uh, I, I'm not even sure how to put it, maybe symbolic in some ways of, of the tragedy that's that's befalling this community at, at this time um yeah know, it feels very, even it's, it's it feels bigger than a than another celebrity death i think and then because it was just so sudden and shocking and and uh you know this this talented actor you thought it was gonna have a really promising career yeah yeah it it feels even cruel on honestly just like kind of kicking us when when we're already down uh, to lose somebody with uh, as you mentioned so much potential uh that meant so much to many people um sam what about you what 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 did you feel when you found out the news i mean i felt very similar i i still haven't seen black panther um i probably will soon but the one movie that i did see where he was in was 42 Mm -hmm. and he took on that role completely. Like when I when I watched the movie, I didn't see him as the actor. I saw him as the character he was portraying. And I think it's really hard for for actors to do that. Um or at least I I mean I've only seen a few actors that could do that, but it was shocking. I mean it was surprising all of a sudden kind of thing you go back now knowing what you know and and you look at his filmography and you wonder like how did he do it i mean how how did how was he able to to be in all those movies and and still have to deal with must be um incredible pain and and uh, incredible hardship to to just go about your life just a regular life and and you know just finish your day but but to also still be uh doing the films that he did and then putting in the work that he did. And there's been some interviews now that if you go back to, he was very much um, alluding to. And uh, just going back to those interviews, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to, to essentially see him very subtly say what, what he was going through and what we now know. So yeah, it's hard. Uh, yeah, I, I imagine he was going to be in, in at least our cinematic lives, you know, for, for decades to come uh, with Black Panther 2, 3, whatever, going forward. Obviously, now now's not the time to, to wonder what Marvel or Disney is going to do. Right now, it's just time to grieve. But it is tragic to to know that's that's just not going to happen anymore. Um, so to, to Mr. Chadwick Boseman, you know, we may you rest in uh, power and uh, thank you for, for your work. But let's let's move on to... Uh, our next topic. So we're post Republican convention. Um, you know, we had the very tragic events that unfolded in Kenosha that we discussed last week. And this week, I don't want to say it's been a, a 
a quiet week. I don't think there's such a thing anymore in, in 2020. But there's been a little bit of a lull, maybe a bit of a reflection going on where we we, we take in the convention and we take in uh, everything that occurred in Kenosha and we try to predict what's what's how it's going to affect the race and then what it means to both Joe Biden and Donald Trump. So there's been a lot of pundits that decided to turn on their, and I'm being sarcastic here, but their galaxy brain to try to tell us what what how exactly this this race may transpire. Uh, and it's been interesting because one of the main arguments that's that's been coming out or one of one of the main um narratives that 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 have occurred over over the last couple of days coming from either center right or or the moderate lane is that regarding these riots protests uh violence in the street it is now time for joe biden to to go to the center um <laughs> and go to the moderate it's lane. time for biden to take responsibility for what he's doing <laughs> for all the havoc that he's causing yeah, for him to quell the the unrest as as a president of the United States, I guess. But essentially, it's been a call for him to have what is what these pundits quote as his sister soldier uh, soldier moment, which is quite of a, an outdated term. And I'm just going to describe it real quick. What what a sister soldier uh, moment refers to is a reference to an event that happened back in 1992 uh, when then candidate Bill Clinton criticized rapper, activist, MC, sister soldier for some controversial comments she made about white people, including uh, one, one in her song that says, if there's such a good thing as a white person, I've never met her or met, ever met them. Uh, and he used that as a way to criticize uh, both her as well as distinct, uh, distancing himself from Jesse Jackson and then the Rainbow Coalition, which a lot of pundits see and, and what the sister soldier moment is referred to is, is an attempt to, to resist the extremes of your ideology or of your party and uh, go to the go to the center go 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 to the moderate lane and reach out to the people either on the center right or in the middle uh, there's been other examples of that like the obama speech after his pastor said said the words that he said and apparently that's that's where we are right now which there's two things i i myself want to mention and i'm not the first one to mention but i do think it bears repeating on this podcast isn't the Joe Biden candidacy and the Biden Kamala Harris candidacy essentially on its own assist a soldier moment? Like, isn't isn't their whole thing a, a play to the moderate lane? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a giant pull to the right. I don't. I think it's. I mean, I guess they're the criticism taking it at sort of its strongest. It's it's the criticism is he's not being sufficiently critical of of the sort of rioting, uh, which, which now he, he very much is. I mean, he's traveling to Kenosha. He has speeches. He's been condemning. Yes, he has been condemning it for months, and now he's made it a sort of almost central part of his campaign. He has a large ad buy where he's talking about how rioting and protesting aren't uh, 
uh, so rioting is not the same as protesting, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what these pundits want, <laughs> honestly. Like, they're getting... It, it really is. I think it is really just a thinly veiled way to set up an excuse to vote for Trump eventually. Or, you know, eventually they're going to say, yeah, he didn't condemn it enough. And I don't know if you read the Brett Stevens column, but he actually referred to... Uh, this NPR story and and this book that was uh, reviewed on NPR called like In Defense of Looting or something, yeah. or or maybe the article was called In Defense of Looting, and it was like you know it was a, a kind of a fluffy NPR piece on this book this person wrote about uh, you know looting being sort of wasn't that it wasn't that controversial. It was how looting was sort of the the violent expression against uh, an oppressive society and, and a sense of powerlessness and voicelessness. Um, you know, not, in my opinion, not very controversial stuff. You know, I'm not saying looting is great or I'm not, you know, supporting looting or anything like that. But the Brett Stevens article, it was so whiny. It was like, uh, it was like, the, the, you know, so so many of my friends forwarded me this article and eventually they're probably going to vote for trump they don't like him but you know this is just too much uh and it was like this npr article on (laughs) and it just kind of cracked me up because now it's this scion of of everything is canceled culture and here he is complaining about what's on npr (laughs) and making it influence how he's going to vote for president and it's honestly i think it's just a bunch of bullshit i think it's them making up excuses uh, eventually they're gonna there i think there's two aspects of it though i do i do think that biden what he's doing is is probably the smart thing to do because i do think you know things like disorder violence can scare swing voters or the people right. that he's aiming for in these swing states uh so i think there's you know the pundit part of it is just bs but you know, I think I think Biden reaching out to the voters directly and and making sure that they're not buying the the absolute bullshit Republican line that 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 Joe Biden is you know wears a little hat that says Antifa on it or something. Um, it's absolutely ludicrous. But you know, it's good that that uh, Biden feels like he wa- he wants to correct the record on that. How more um, modern can Joe Biden get? Is my question. Yeah, and that's really the, that is the question. Like when you read these kinds of articles, um, it's, I mean, it's not like Joe Biden is pivoting right now. He's had a history of denouncing the riots. Um, he's had a history of saying he won't defund the police. Uh, in fact, he he thinks they perhaps need more resources and he's going to fund them more. Which that's where I well, they just know, have they have to lie about it. You yeah. heard about that? Uh, the te- uh, who was it? Uh, Louis Gomer was it Louis Gomer or no? It was Steve Scalise. He edited a video of Addie Barkin to make it sound like Joe Biden was agreeing that he would defund the police. Uh, Addie Barkin has ALS and he speaks with like a computerized voice. This right. politician, <laughs> Steve Scalise, literally edited this disabled guy's computerized voice to make it sound like Joe Biden was agreeing with something he wasn't. Yeah, it's disgusting. Um, that's how far that these people would go to. to portray biden as some sort of radical i mean 
It didn't stop them in 2016. Yeah. Why should it yeah. stop them now? But, you know, specifically on these editorials that you see from Brett Stevens and, and also Andrew Sullivan was, was another individual that uh, wrote an article basically with this, this statement that he needs uh, uh, this kind of moment. What exactly is it that they want? Because in, in the Andrew Sullivan moment, he said like, yes, Joe Biden, or the Andrew Sullivan article said like, yeah, Joe Biden has condemned the riots, but with caveats, uh, and he needs to do it without them. But like, what does he mean? Like, what what else do you do other than say, no, I don't want violence on the streets. Uh, I'm I'm here to, uh, usher, you know, to, to unify the nation. Uh, I'm, I will condemn any violence, whether it's on the left or it's on the right, that's that's it, right? You don't go out and you don't have to mention Antifa. You don't have to uh, call out specific people. Every time I, I look at this article and they talk about order, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but to me, it's like they're okay with everything that Donald Trump has been doing. They would just rather have somebody that can do that same thing but go back to not saying the quiet parts out loud anymore. Yeah. If that makes they sense. want Donald Trump. They want like a more polite version of Trump. Right. Well, it's either, I mean, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's either going to be Trump or Biden and Biden. I mean, Gus was trying to say is I think that these people want a Republican. <laughs> yeah. and they, they really want, something almost like trump but like maybe like slightly less gross and weird and stupid <laughs> yeah. but once again like i mean are they just not realizing that trump is president and he's like he's yeah they think they can mold joe biden into being the republican candidate that they seek because the joe biden has said that he reads david brooks which probably means he reads Brett Stevens, which probably means he read Brett Stevens' stupid column. It's important to mention that like Joe, Joe Biden is the closest the Democrats put out there um, to a Republican that we have. Like, I don't think there's, I mean, maybe Tulsi Gabbard. Like, I don't know. There's nobody there that, that's as close uh, in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, appealing to moderate voters. So that This is as good as they're going to get. What, what Howard Schultz? <laughs> Bloomberg? Not really. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Bloomberg and Howard Schultz are not that more moderate than than Joe Biden. Um, I, at least not in the primary. Like, you, you could argue that Joe Biden has moved a little bit towards the left after the coronavirus, but uh, it's it's really, you know, uh, it, I appreciate him him doing that, but it's he's certainly not. Um, he he has never moved from his moderate credentials, and he's shown he's shown pride you know regarding that he he is a very prideful moderate and, and he's he's uh he's not gonna buck on that so i uh, yeah but do you consider him being a moderate even though he's like for uh gay marriage i mean i think you can be a moderate and be for gay marriage i don't think i mean when when we refer to moderation we we're looking at economic issues, at, at social justice issues, at uh, uh, racial issues, which... Gus, uh, I mean, Sam, he does bring up a point that Biden was one of the first people to publicly... And that was more of the fact that the Democrats were just woefully behind on the gay marriage issue. But yeah, I think Biden was the first person to publicly in the Obama administration come out for gay marriage or he kind of pushed Obama towards it. Um, 
I yeah, like I, I don't know if that makes him. I guess I guess what we're talking about now is moderate moderate in terms of the field of candidates, right? Biden might say that he's just like Clinton said in 2016, the most progressive candidate. You know, at the moment he's selling himself to Republican, so he doesn't do that, but uh he could, I guess conceivably i don't know he certainly doesn't seem to be selling himself that way no and even then like that's that's kind of the point like he is not selling himself that way he's had a history of presenting himself as this moderate and yet you're still seeing these uh um editorials come out where it's simply not enough so you you have to wonder like it what again as i as i said like did you maybe these pundits already have their guy it sounds like it. It sounds like you. What you, what you want is the same thing that that has already occurred on the streets right now, which is sending law enforcement into the streets to, uh, with force, quell the violence. Right? Not actually understand where where some of these issues are originating, quell it with force, end it now, and then the people that were previously okay with the law and order that was already in place, they can go about their lives. And the people that continue to to suffer uh, under that law and order continue to suffer. Like, there is no meaningful change. The, these people don't want any kind of meaningful change or progress. They they want just to, to everybody be under the same thumb because that is a kind of a law and order that has worked out for them. And that's what Donald Trump has been promising more or less this sister soldier moment is very much like a soul of white america screaming out and saying please protect us from the not necessary not necessarily like all all the minorities but like the radicals right protect us from the black radicals or black the notion of, of black liberation I, I don't know it just, that's that's what it symbolically sort of represents and i think you know who do who do what pundits do we see Sullivan and, and Brett Stevens, the two most uh, weird on race guys that are that are currently out there and in, in sort of the mainstream right now. I don't know if you know about their sort of weirdness about race, but you should look it up. But uh, I'm not surprised that they are the ones that are calling for for Biden to sort of uh, sort of reach out and and bash on somebody who who they can symbolically put up as sort of the the radical head of head of black lives matter or head of antifa um do they do they suggest anybody by the way or do they just suggest he condemn like black lives matter and yeah no they they weren't they weren't advocating anybody else they were saying this is the moment where joe biden needs to uh do this because that'll make him the moment to, he if he does not do it then this is the moment he loses the election um yeah. Which, again, I'm not a political strategist. There hasn't been a whole lot of evidence, at least from the most recent polls, that uh, Joe Biden's current stance has uh, lost him any grounds in, in, like, Wisconsin, for example. We have more to to see on that front. There's still a lot of polling to, to, to be done, and there's still two months until the election. But I feel like they're using political, or, like, what they think is, is a wise political strategy to view, to project their own anxieties which is they, they look at Black Lives Matter, they look at, at some of the unrest, and somehow they project that Joe Biden is under their thumb and he needs to 
even though there's, there's been, never been an indication of that. And somehow Joe Biden needs to address an issue that doesn't exist or he's already addressed multiple times, which is he's Joe Biden. He's the same Joe Biden. It's so stupid. He's not the president. He's not. Nobody on the fucking streets gives a fuck about Joe Biden. I'm just going to be honest. Like, really, do you think that the people out there are really like avid Joe Biden supporters? A lot of them are probably going to vote for Joe Biden, but not because they like love Joe Biden or something. Yeah. Like Black Lives um, Matter and and um, some of the the individuals on the streets, like it goes both ways. Like they do not influence Joe Biden. They are not members in the dark shadows uh, puppeteering Joe Biden. And likewise, Joe Biden does not control them. Like he, he, Joe Biden can give all the speeches he wants. He, he, they're not all of a sudden going to to stop. What they want is justice. It's, it's, and justice does not end in Joe Biden's presidency. I do think, just to, just to qualify that though, I do think, and I, I think we talked about this a little while ago, if Biden wins, I do think some of the force of some of these protests is going to drop out. Not because I think Biden is suddenly going to give a lot of people what they want, but I just think there'll be a little... It, it's just harder to get people to focus when you don't have the giant... Yeah, but that's, 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 guy. that's yeah, not the under, guy. <laughs> under the directive of Joe Biden, right? That's uh, Right. No, no, no. It's not like Biden... Yes. Yeah, Trump stands up there and he's like, Biden's going to call the Antifa. He's going to call him up and he's going to tell him to cut it out the first day that he's in uh, which by the way if he had the power to do that shouldn't we elect him then <laughs> if he yeah. has the power to control antifa i don't know well that's that's kind of the other thing because then you look on the other side and usually when these kinds of things happen like maybe it's just me guys but usually if there's you know a huge pandemic going on uh economic um a turmoil social unrest the one person that you would call on to at least try to give a speech to calm people down would be the president of the United States. Usually, right? Like usually that's that's the person with the power of the office that can uh, at least address the American people and try to ease anxiety. But I mean, every time I hear him talk, I just calm down so much. I mean, there's there's <laughs> a whole lot of things we can we can discuss on the other side of what's going on in, in the Trump world. I don't know what you guys want to touch on first. I mean, we can touch on the fact that the president of the United States refused to condemn uh, the uh, uh, Mr. Rittenhouse uh, killing two, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse shooting and killing two individuals in Kenosha. Um, he, went he went out further. and- He actually said it was self-defense, It was right? self-defense, yeah, claiming it was yeah, self-defense. Self um, he uh, asked his uh, supporters to try to vote twice uh, to make sure they test the system. Uh, which is a felony, of course, and then the whole point of his is that he wants to avoid election fraud. Cheered on truck truckloads of his supporters who drove by protests and and shot frozen paintballs and maced people up and down the streets, and he he cheered them on and tweeted out like, "Yeah, here they go." And then later, when they asked him about it, he said, "Well, I don't know if paint counts as violence." Uh, paintballs uh and he's literally talking about people and you could see the videos of them just shooting frozen paintballs and macing people including reporters <laughs> they maced a new york times reporter um and these were trump supporters which he supported uh and not condemned uh a la sister soldier um yeah sorry uh gus i interrupted you 
That's okay. I was just going to say that the, the last thing is just today an article came out where um, he, uh, through, throughout the years, his, I, mean, I suppose, aides or uh, sources within the White House have uh, said that Donald Trump has openly insulted uh, veterans, saying they're losers and suckers, uh, saying that uh, if he holds a military par parade, he doesn't want any amputees there because nobody wants to see that, uh, and saying that why would why would he go to John McCain's funeral? He's a fucking loser. Um, yeah. Which, Didn't he say something like, don't lower the flags? I hate that guy. Yeah. Or yeah. I mean, he's just that's, so fucking petty, man. He's just so petty. This people is, are going to, I'm sure they'll say this is fake news and all the conservatives will say, oh, it's fake news. But I mean, none of this sounds even, even remotely unbelievable based on his just insane personality that he... You know he's insulted he's insulted veterans on TV. Uh, Kaiser Khan he insults John McCain on TV. Uh, so none of this is even remotely unbelievable. Yeah, and it's it's just kind of funny because of two things. One, the uh, the what we just mentioned the the kind of call on Joe Biden to be the one to to that must swing to the moderate before the extremists uh, extremists take over his his uh, campaign. Uh, and two, this is right after uh, the Republican convention, which, you know, God bless the Republicans. They really went out of their way to to very carefully filter out this false universe where the coronavirus has been defeated, the economy is okay, and Donald Trump is a decent, fair, ethical man that should continue to be president. I mean... We all know this and keep in our hearts that he's fair. Speaking of condemning violence, two of the prominent, most prominent speakers at the RNC were just a couple that was famous for pointing guns at people. And then they got charged with a felony. And then the RNC was like, yeah, we need to hear from these people. Um, real timely guests there. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's just very... <laughs> <laughs> Very baffling to me that that this is it is it is you know what it is it's normalization we knew it, we knew it was going to happen we yelled in about it in 2016 we said this both sides bullshit is going to go too far and now it is Trump just gets up there and just says like my farts are rainbows he just says whatever he wants he just lies and and the media does a both sides thing because they have to try to strike some sort of balance. Uh, so no matter how crazy Trump does, you know, there's got to be a, a both sides. That That's my opinion. It is the normalization. No, I, that we're I, about. I think you're right. It's just like, it's... Remember for like a year, everybody went around screaming, this is not normal. <laughs> and now, and now everybody's kind of, just it, like, yep. It, it became a joke in itself. Yeah. And, but now it's... Uh, yeah, it's... Can we talk about the Antifa the Antifa planes and his yeah we really need to interview. cover that that interview because uh, this this is an interview where again continuing his trend Joe Biden basically dismissed all uh, all the hard work <laughs> that the poor Republicans did last week during the Republican convention that he that he was a sane and ethical man um, I don't know if you just want to play some uh, clips Daniel but I mean this is an interview real quick where the president of the United States claimed that. Joe Biden is being controlled by people that we've never heard of under the dark shadows 
this is a president of the United States, just like oh, the most la- laziest conspiracy theories. Just, just saying like, yeah, people in the dark shadows, like not even making an effort to try to string the, uh, these these stories together, just making up false, like fake figures. Who, who do you think is pulling now. Biden's strings? Uh, is it former Obama People officials? that you've never heard of. People that are in the dark shadows, people that... Oh, what are, does that mean? That sounds like conspiracy theory, dark shadows. No, what is people that? that you haven't heard of. They're, they're people that are on the streets. They're people that are controlling the streets. We had somebody get on a plane from a certain city this weekend. And in the plane, it was almost completely loaded with, with thugs wearing these dark uniforms, black uniforms with gear and this and that. They're, they're on a plane. Where's the where's this? I'll tell you sometime, but I, I, it's under investigation right now. But they came from a certain city, and this person was coming to the Republican National Convention. And there were like seven people on the plane like this person, and then a lot of people were on the mm-hmm. plane to do big damage. They were coming from Planning for Washington. Yeah, this was all, this is all happening. All right, yeah. All right. Could, what so... is that, guys? Like, what... <laughs> What is he talking about? What is he even alluding to? Like, so he makes it seem like it's. I think we all know that he's talking about Game of Thrones. (laughs) I think that it's funny because he is like, oh, it's currently being investigated. He makes it sound like a terrorist attack. My impression is there was some conspiracy, there was some Gateway Pundit article about like a dude being like oh there were like seven people all dressed in black on my flight but it somebody who came across that article and didn't finish it just kind of like what like read the first paragraph and be like oh my god i have to get on an interview that's all you you need man one guy with like an anarchist patch and i mean if it's on fox news trump trump will say it no matter love how he implies that these guys had like gear they had like weapons on the plane <laughs> like they have like this secret access that lets them get this shit on a plane and he implies there's like an investigation and shit and um it's actually pretty funny but he you know later on he actually people asked him about it because it was uh crazy and uh he it was no less crazy but he admitted i, I think he admitted a little more than he wanted to because he said that uh this was like one person and it's a person that you know that you were referring to on fox news last night this plot of people gathering on a plane uh in here yeah i could tell you that uh i could probably refer you to the person and they could do it i'd like to ask that person if it was okay but a person was on a plane uh said that there were about six People like that person, more or less. And uh, what happened is the entire plane filled up with the looters, the anarchists, the rioters, people that obviously were looking for trouble. And the person felt very uncomfortable in the plane. This would be a person you know. So I will see whether or not I can get that person. So we go from this thing that's being investigated, (laughs) this terrorist attack. I mean... What does that even mean? It's garbage. Like, He's just spreading conspiracy theories. Uh, and it's actually pretty funny because Laura Ingram even tries to stop him in the interview. And it's like, please, like uh, oh, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. Because it is a fucking conspiracy theory, lady. Yeah, I mean, that that's what Laura Ingram was trying to do the entire um, interview. Uh, every time. And she knew, like, when, when 
Donald Trump was just kind of walking into very questionable territory, uh, like saying that cops sometimes choke. And he was referring, he was using the term choke as in they uh, they fall under pressure, or they, they make a mistake under pressure, but he kept using that term and Laura Ingrid like was trying to correct him. And then he kept back to saying like, yeah, the, the cop, they just choke, they choke sometimes, they're just chokers, which again, it's not really a term. He compares that it to a, a golf putt. Yeah. And I think she Like goes, missing a golf putt she, is choking. Just like accidentally shooting a guy eight times in the back yeah. uh here i have the clip you know a choker they choke uh, shooting they, the guy they, they, they shooting can. the guy in the back many times i mean couldn't you have done something different couldn't you have wrestled him? you know i mean in the meantime he might have been going for a weapon and you know there's a whole big thing there but they choke just like in a golf tournament they miss a three foot. You're pump. not comparing it to golf because, of course, that's no, what the media. I'm says. saying people yeah. choke. People, people, people choke. Yeah. And pe she's, <laughs> she's like, the media is going to say you were comparing it to golf, which he was. I mean, it, it's kind of remarkable. You see her lying in real time about what he's actually saying um, and trying to convince you that he's not actually saying it. It's pretty friggin' remarkable. Um, but. Uh, they all kind of guide him in these interviews because they know he says shit that is not popular with everybody. And, and uh, you know, they want to make sure that when they clip the, the sort of coherent parts for, for their morning shows that they're not uh, yeah. crazy. And even then, like, this is still what you get. Like, as, as rehearsed as they try to make it and as, as much as they try to guide him through that interview, um, this still comes out. And again, yeah. There, there's a yeah. article um, in the Washington Post called Trump's interviews with friendly hosts can go awry even when they throw him a lifeline. And it goes through several examples of this, him saying things and hosts being like trying to correct him. Uh, Maria Bartiromo tried to stop him from saying that he didn't want to fund the Postal Service so that they could send ballots to people because uh, he didn't want people to vote. Uh, she actually tried to stop him from saying that. Um Hugh Hewitt, uh, I actually have to read this because it's, it, the exchange is so funny. Um, and I was going to play it, but they're actually talking over each other quite a bit. But as an exchange, it's it's, it's actually pretty funny. Uh, Hugh Hewitt uh, is just a absolute charlatan and propagandist. But he had Trump on his show, and he tries to make him okay for the you know so-called respectable Republicans. Uh, here's the exchange. Uh, you respect the governor's power. Oh, sorry. So just the topic. He's talking about... Uh, Trump sending folks in to, to sort of quell situations in cities without the government, the governor's uh, permission, uh, which I guess shocked some of the conservative intelligentsia who cares, who care, pretend to care about federalism. Uh, so here, Hugh Hewitt says, you respect the governor's power. And Trump goes, the only reason Seattle was settled is that they knew I was going in the next day. Hewitt then said, you're a federalist. <laughs> Trump said, and my guys were going in the next day, and that's the only reason that happened, which is a lie, by the way. Uh, and then Hewitt said again, you believe in federalism. <laughs> yeah. And then Trump said, so a lot of positive things are happening, and you're a great guy, and a lot of fun, and we'll do this again sometime. And that was the end of the interview. Yeah, um, he was trying to put like the quote-unquote right words into Donald Trump's mouth and just basically begging him to just say to please say you're a federalist and donald trump just like walk right past that yeah well because he's 
he doesn't want to do it. He would rather just ignore it completely. But I don't think you know. Donald Trump really understands what being a federalist what being a federalist is. Like I don't under, yeah. I don't think he understands that term. Um That's and again true. Nobody, this, no one no reporter has ever asked him what's federalism. I uh, yeah, yeah cuz he would not be able to answer. That. So this oh he would answer it. He just wouldn't answer yeah, it, it would correctly. Just be a bunch of bullshit. So this is kind of where we're at. We're two months, literally two months. Uh, November third is election is going to be election day. Where it's September the third. Um, you see this contrast. Uh, you see this uh, again. Both sizing that Daniel mentioned. It's you. You do have to wonder, like, is it is if it's going to work or if it's not going to work. I'm I'm not inclined to say it's not going to work or or. or um, you know, predict that it's not going to work. It, it, it it's happened before, but to me, we're just reaching a th- theater of the absurd where we're asking Joe Biden to do the thing he's been doing his entire candidacy, and yet we're watching this Donald Trump just dissolve into madness, and we kind of just keep nodding our heads and be like, "Yep, that's that's our president." I think that a lot of the same people who were really upset about how Colin Kaepernick was, uh, you know, hurting the troops feelings are really going to be mad at Trump for all that shit. He talked about veterans. I think that is a thing that's going to happen. Um, he's going to lose massive support. All the patriotic Americans are going to come over and vote Biden. And that's the end of that story. And then we'll wake up. We're good. Yeah. Oh, guys, I want these two months to just be over as soon as possible. I'm not sure how I'm going to handle them. Uh, at least the debates are Trump's at the br- end of Trump's this Trump's bringing back Mexico's paying for the wall. Did you guys hear that? Oh, that's good. That's innovative. Um, yeah. It's, but And I guess people are going to believe in this time or something. I mean, they already gotta, believe him. Didn't you hear? They're already paying for the wall, man. They're already <laughs> this is doing like two it. weeks after a couple of his advisors were arrested for trying to scam people. All right, guys. Well, that's our little um, update on all the madness that's going on right now. Again, it was a bit of a strange week. Next week, we'll try to you know see where the race is at and then try to kind of parse the numbers. But for now, we're just waiting and hoping for the best, but this is what we're getting right now. So we're going to move on to our next subject, which we're, you know, here at Friendly Reminder, we're 10 episodes, I believe. Is this our 10th episode? Somebody, I should be keeping count. Uh, It's our ninth. Our ninth episode, episode nine. Uh, So we're nine episodes deep into this um, project of ours. And one thing we've never really truly had an honest discussion, at least with the listeners, is where we individually stand in terms of ideology. I think it's very evident to anybody listening that we're on on the left side of uh, the uh, ideological spectrum, at least here in America. But maybe we we haven't really properly introduced ourselves uh, and really described how we or really, how would, how would we describe our political beliefs? So we're going to go here around the horn and just kind of briefly mention where do we stand? Not on all the issues, but at least ideologically, ideologically, 
ideologically speaking, uh, in we're just going to basically say where we stand, uh, and and we're going to go we through the big politics. five issues. Yes, healthcare, <laughs> songs that are kind of rapey, uh, <laughs> climate change, <laughs> transportation, and the war on Christmas. Those yeah. are the top five issues. I'm going to go yeah. through all of them. But Sam, tell us, like, how would you describe yourself? Would you say you're a leftist, a moderate, a libertarian? I would probably say I'm a very left leftist. Um, I, I mean, I might even go to the radical left. I don't know. Like, I just believe, like, in, like healthcare for everyone, college for everyone. You know you know, taking care of the, of the infrastructure, which no one's doing right now. So, you know, taxing the wealthy, all the, all their money, like they're not going to, they're going to be poor now. And then we'll see who wins the war. No war, but the class war. Yeah. Um, I, I do stand with the uh, black lives matter. I think it's, it's hard for them to be peaceful protesting, mostly because, like, we talked about this the previous episode, mostly because, like, people don't listen to them when they're peacefully protesting. They make fun so, of them. So, <laughs> yeah, or they say that's un-American. I want this country to be like Canada. I think that's that radical. Um, I mean, they're... Yeah, I wouldn't describe that as radical left. In fact, when you started listing the things, I was like... I would describe myself as I wouldn't describe myself as radical left. I would just describe myself as like pretty left. <laughs> to put it into context, uh, Sam, if you could pick any like prominent politician to be president right now, who would you pick? Right now, yeah. can it be? Can it be like dead, or they have to be alive? Uh, let's say alive for. Just between the two, or I can pick anybody. No, anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Hold on. You, you were having trouble between Biden and Trump? No. Oh. Bernie Sanders. Yeah, Elizabeth probably Trump. Bernie Sanders, even though I kind of hate him um, a little oh, bit. Hate Bernie just Sanders? Yeah. Oh. I just... Why? I mean, he's, do, you want to, do you want to talk about why you hate Bernie Sanders, Sam? Well, I guess it's more to the fact that I hate his supporters, but that little <laughs> bit of hate, there's like 99% hate of his supporters, which I guess I am one, so I guess I hate myself now. You're masochist. He does have supporters that are uh, very spirited. Uh, yeah. Well, I didn't say that as somebody him. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that's who I am. Well, thank you for sharing, Sam. And what about you, Daniel? Like, how would how would you describe your on the issues? Sam and I are pretty close. I think uh, I would, you know, if I could just sort of snap my fingers and implement everything, I would <laughs> uh, put Medicare for all. You know, some sort of health insurance system for every single person. I would implement. You know, I think there's a massive homelessness crisis, and I think that the only way to solve that is public housing. Uh, so I would, you know, massive 
increase in public housing uh, in all neighborhoods. You know, maybe that seems radical. It seems to me pragmatic solutions to all this stuff. Uh, you know, I don't think people should be going hungry in the richest country in the world. So I think we should make sure that people have food support. And I think, um, unfortunately, um, especially in the age of COVID, hunger is actually becoming a bigger problem in the United States, uh, which is stupid, again, because we're the richest country in the world. Let's see, what did I cover? I covered healthcare, I covered housing, I covered food as a human right, education, I think. Uh, some sort of trade school or college should be free for everybody. Yeah, I mean, I guess some some people would call this socialism. I would just call it sort of, I mean, I, I'm not opposed to capitalism in general. I mean, I think capitalism can create a lot of wealth and then that can be used by societies uh, for the greater good. But, uh, you know, you can't just sort of accumulate wealth and, and while a lot of society just sort of flails and isn't able to even get by, um, especially something that's thrown into sharp relief after COVID, which is, you know, the unemployment rate amongst hourly workers shot up, but the unemployment rate uh, amongst professionals was barely even touched because all of them could work from home. <laughs> and yeah. it's sort of, you know, more, it accelerated the whole two Americas thing and made it even worse. And it doesn't seem like a, I mean, realistically, I mean, like I like Joe Biden and I'm going to support him, of course, because Donald Trump sucks. But realistically, I don't think anything either party is promoting is even near uh, to address, e even close enough uh, to addressing the massive uh, uh, problems. Um, if I had to pick someone for president, I would probably pick Elizabeth Warren. Um, I voted for Bernie, but, uh, you know, I... I I was torn a little bit. I think if Warren had done better, I probably would have voted for her if she had been doing better. Um, uh, in 2016, I was a little more moderate. I was a Clinton supporter. I think Trump has definitely pushed me further to the left because, well, I don't know. It was just very alienating. You know, I, I guess I thought everything was sort of... Uh, proceeding on an even keel and then they elected and then you know in 2015 trump came down that stupid elevator and and was just like i'm a giant racist <laughs> and then, and you know two uh, one year later they elected him president and uh it just it made me question everything i sort of had the way that i had learned about the united states and and made me go back and look at history and with a little more of a searching uh, eye towards uh, the ugliness that sort of brought us to this moment. Because um, I don't think, like a lot of people think that Trump is just sort of this aberration out of nowhere. I think he was a, you know, the Republican Party has always had a very ugly, dark streak of, of nativism and a very dark populist streak. And I think it's just been embracing that more and more over the years and i think trump is just the culmination of that so um so yeah that's that has been very pretty influential on my politics uh because i just don't see the democrats as sort of providing a you know not in in general as providing a uh, good enough ideological program um to trumpism yeah as as a sort of reaction to the sort of 
but but I mean I don't think Bernie. I mean, but the question is, you know, the next thing is, did Bernie and and no, he lost twice. <laughs> like he he wasn't presenting at least not something that people would get behind. So, um, you know, uh, maybe I'm totally wrong, and Biden's gonna sort of nice guy his way into the White House, which. Yeah, I mean, I think is very, is very possible, and and you know the polls sort of indicate he he is going to do that. But yeah, and I mean, uh, it could be that you're right about Biden, but it is really more for us to just kind of share where we are. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But I mean, I think you make a, a good point talking about that though, because in terms of like my political ideology, I almost feel like there's two versions of me. Uh, neither is that radical, but if you're just you know, if I'm just trying to filter my political thoughts, I, I think I'm still very much, and I, I've consistently been, I, honestly, even since high school, but even in college and now, uh, just kind of the welfare state liberal. Uh, I think uh, there's more that we can build upon that, but you know, not 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 that far off from uh, from. Uh, Roosevelt, uh, FDR, in terms of just building that foundation having uh, a robust welfare state that provides, uh, obviously, for the elderly, uh, robust unemployment rate, uh, robust health care, essentially for there to be enough of a safety net when we find ourselves in situations that we we don't want to be. Even, even if, if that situation is... Uh, imprisonment like i think there needs to be kind of prison reform because at the end of the at the at the end of the day these people are still human uh and we need to uh really rethink the way we we view prisons and and we view uh felons uh but i'm not a marxist i'm not a uh, i'm not even sure if i would call myself a democratic socialist even though sometimes i feel like we we share the 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 same beliefs uh but I still believe in capitalism. I, I, I believe it ex it has a function in this society, and I believe that uh, people do benefit from that uh, drive for further wealth. Uh, at some point, I, I think obviously that we re we reach a point where that could be excessive, uh, and that could lead to. You mentioned this actually in a conversation we were talking about earlier today, Daniel, but a man manipulation of the political system which I think is, is a fair point. So I think there does need to be some control of that, but ultimately like capitalism as we know it more or less, I, I, I think it can, it can exist so long as there is that underlying welfare state that can help individuals when things don't go 100% right. Um, in terms of like who I support or, or would like to support, I also found myself uh, su supporting uh, Elizabeth Warren, even though I did ultimately uh, vote for Bernie Sanders in the primary. Uh, I did it because I knew Warren's campaign was was over at that point. I, I like Bernie Sanders. I, I, I also have my reservations about some of his supporters as well as some of his, um, really some of his promises and not, not necessarily like his actual political promises, but uh, I think the most pie in the sky thing he ever promised was saying that he was going to get get things done as president through a movement or like people were just going to come out and just force Congress and force, uh, um, uh, you know, both, both Congress, yes, both the House and the Senate yeah, to the pass. Bernie line was a gigantic 
surge of voters you know under 30 were going to show up and vote for him yeah that so, same group of voters his revolution was going to push people in congress to do things that they wouldn't yeah. ordinarily do so it like hurts the, my heart to talk about it because that is not, <laughs> that is <laughs> not nothing like that happened. even close to happen and, and it didn't happen in 2016 and it didn't happen in 2020 yeah. and as much as you want to blame the dnc for that uh you got to kind of say that maybe Bernie didn't have the popular support. In, in yeah, the end, I but, think it yeah. was it was a, a false narrative or a false ideology or a false belief. Um, and that's kind of where the other part of me uh, that I was referring to, where it's just like, I'm also, I guess I follow politics enough to be pretty cynical when it comes to things. And I think even if, if you elect somebody like Bernie Sanders, I don't think all of a sudden you are going to get Medicare for all, uh, or you are going to get um, student loans canceled or anything like that. I think I'm aware that the Democratic Party, for better or for worse, is a very broad party with a large tent. And it's trying to shepherd this party through anything. It sounds like a nightmare. And I tend to be a little bit more forgiving towards somebody like Barack Obama, even sometimes Nancy Pelosi, to be honest with you, uh, in terms of what they were, what they are able to get done, or were able to get done, because it's a monumental task to try to get this very diverse and very. And when I say diverse, I, I don't even mean um, in terms of um, in terms of ethnicity. Ethnicity, I, I mean it like in, in ideologies. Um, it's, right, you have blue dog Democrats, and you have AOC on the other side. Yeah, I think AOC. It, she said. I think one of the most um, truthful and insightful things when she said that in any other country, her, her and Joe Biden would not be under the same party, but in America they are. And yeah, that's, that's true. And, and that leads me to be cynical and just kind of, at one point, at some, some parts cynical, some parts a little bit more empathetic, I guess, towards the democratic leadership than, than most leftist um, tend to do or most even some liberals so it's it's a, a struggle between those two sides and you'll see me probably be the most like pro-democrat here i mean pro-party democrat here and it's not always like that but it is what it is to quote donald trump <laughs> to quote a great philosopher i uh yeah i mean look i spent the primary being annoyed at the DNC for a lot of things. Uh, but, you know, again, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe to quote another great moral philosopher, come on, man. Come on, uh, man. It's the general election. We got <laughs> we to gotta get this, this uh, crazy guy out of here. Uh, um, uh, I, you know, I'm perfectly fine with this being the the neoliberal shill cast until <laughs> until the end of the election uh because uh, donald trump is just terrible <laughs> yeah uh, so you know i'm not i'm not gonna you know i i'm i'm gonna hit joe biden because i think it's kind of funny to hit joe biden sometimes but even if i make fun of joe biden never 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 in a million years uh, should anybody ever take from that that I'm trying to draw some sort of comparison between the two people? Uh, Trump is is way way worse than Biden. So yeah, and I think like even if Elizabeth Warren were the candidate or if Bernie Sanders were the candidate, um, 
if Joe Biden wins, I'm going to have the exact same reaction if it were Elizabeth Warren winning or Bernie Sanders winning, which I'm at least going to take a few weeks to just be grateful that we I did not see the end of democracy because I know that there is there is you know, this may be called Trump Trump derangement syndrome or hyperbole or whatever you want to call it, but I am deeply afraid that if Donald Trump gets reelected, this our institutions, our democracy cannot withstand another four years. Um, I think the man is incredibly incompetent at most things, but he's done an exceptionally well job of pretty much demolishing our norms and institutions in a very short amount of time. And I don't want to give him more time. If you think he's hinting that his supporters should sort of strap up and you know go to the the city and and patrol uh, for troublemakers, then what do you think he's going to do when he doesn't have to worry about re-election? <laughs> it's going to be uh, it's going to be bad. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to, like I said earlier, I just wanted to end. I think most people wanted to end or rational people wanted to end yeah i think there's going to be a lot of people that that may be very uh different from from where i am in terms of ideology and in terms of political beliefs that are going to have similar reactions if donald trump finally gets um uh, kicked out of the white house come november come whenever we decide this this horrible election that's about to, <laughs> to, to hit us in two months. In the midst of a global pandemic. Global yes. pandemic. No yes. matter who wins, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this on friendly reminder because I feel safe here. But no matter who wins, I'm gonna get so drunk that I can't <laughs> remember what happened the night before. Oh yeah, no, there's so no way when I wake any up, of us I think I could uh <laughs> I'm going to still ask who won the election. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, in 2016, it's the most that I've ever drank while I, while still remembering everything. So don't count on that, Sam. It's It gets scarred it's in your brain. Seared into your brain. Yeah. So we'll look forward to these next two months. And I am glad that I have you two here with me while we uh, embark uh, in these next upon these next two months. And I'm also glad we have our listeners here listening to us. Uh, I hope you appreciate us sharing some of our anxieties. Uh, we're going to continue to do it because let's face it, we're all anxious here, but that does do, that does do it for our show today. So I, once again, I want to thank Daniel and Sam for joining me today. Thanks so much. Thank you. And I want to thank our listeners for joining uh, us today. And we'll be back next week for yet another Friendly Reminder podcast.